what should this safe injection site exist 150 meters from a very well-attended public school where children are terrified, given the murder of Carolina, uh, everybody's even more afraid now. We have to reclaim that space. Pretty sad state of affairs when uh, community members, and that's Derek Finkel, have to go reclaim parks from drug addicts and criminals who exploit their disease. But this is the reality with safe injection sites. You know, the communities are turned into... um, Crime-filled ghettos, essentially, eventing, you know, inviting very, very bad people who fuel their trade. They fuel organized crime. They buy up the safe supply from addicts and then sell it to younger customers. But what's also very, very clear, and it has been for a very long time, is uh, not only is there no oversight on these facilities, but we have violent crime and murders playing out all hours of the day because we have a justice system that can't and will not keep even the most obviously dangerous criminals in. This is a topic that uh, got a lot of phone calls rolling yesterday, not just from Premier Ford, but also from opposition leader and the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre Polyever, who joins us now. Good to have you. Good to be with you, Alex. Let's talk a little bit about um, the murder of Caroline, who, uh, again, around 1130, a week ago today, was killed going to get a smoothie in what is a pretty nice place, or used to be, for young families to be able to buy in in the city of Toronto. And um, you heard from Derek off the top there. They've been begging for help for months now uh, to get someone to help clean up the violence, the drug use. They've been ignored, essentially. And now a woman's dead. Um, These are federal jurisdiction, essentially. We've got three federally, um, I guess, regulated uh, facilities in Toronto, and yet no one takes charge of them at any level of government, certainly not the federal level of government. Would you shut them down? My approach would be to take that money and put it into treatment and recovery and not giving out more drugs to addicts. Um, and I'd like to offer my condolences to the families of uh, Carolina Abner um, Makarat. The killer in this case uh, was out uh, after having violated 16 probation orders. This is a, another mega criminal uh, benefiting from the catch and release Trudeau justice system that allows the same violent offenders to commit 60, 70, 80 offenses and be free on our streets to attack again. That is why crime has soared by over 32% since Trudeau took office. And violent uh, gang killings, 92% increase. Um, this crime and chaos in our streets is a new problem. It did not exist before Trudeau. It is a direct result of his catch and release policies. Um, I will reverse those policies. I'll bring in jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders. I'll make sure that mega criminals like this one serve their entire sentences without eligibility for parole behind bars and away from our people so that our citizens can be safe to go and get a smoothie, to go to the park with their kids, to go for a walk as seniors uh, and enjoy themselves without this fear. We're going to bring home safety to Canada again. Where would these people be jailed? I mean, you know, that that's the one thing is we don't have places necessarily to keep people. Uh, there's the argument that, you know, there's a presumption of innocence where you can't remand everybody in, in bail because they end up staying there a lot longer because the delays in the, in the court system, because we don't have enough judges. There are a lot of problems that have to be fixed before we can actually fix anything. Having said that, would you build more jails? Because there's nowhere to put them. 
well, no, we don't need to build more jails. Here's the good news. We don't, we have a lot of crime in Canada now uh, after eight years of Trudeau, but we don't have a lot of criminals. Now, uh, let me explain that. It is a very small minority of habitual offenders that are doing almost all the crime. I'm in Vancouver right now. The mayors of British, British Columbia wrote a letter in which they pointed out that the same 40 offenders mm-hmm. were arrested were arrested 6,000 times in a year. 40 offenders, 6,000 crimes. That's 150 crimes per offender per year. If you just took 40 people off the streets of Vancouver, you'd have 6,000 fewer crimes. So we, we have this tiny minor, minority that are doing almost all the crime. If you put them behind bars, you drastically reduce the crime rate. And by the way, these people are, be, are in prison constantly anyway. It's just that we're releasing them so that they can go do another crime uh, in the interim. If we just kept them there, then you wouldn't have the crime and we could bring down their rates as we did under the previous conservative government. As for the presumption of innocence, look, I agree that there should be such a thing as bail for uh, you know, first-time accused, for, for people who are not uh, habitually in the system. They should have the ability to apply for and where judges find it appropriate, get bail. However, we're talking about people who have 70 or 80, 90 previous convictions. Those people who are newly arrested on serious crime should have auto- automatic jail and not bail. And that's what Pierre Pauly of government will deliver. Mr. Lametti, um, you know, the premiers, the police associations, the police of chiefs all wrote unanimously asking for bail reform because this has become such a problem. Uh, Justice Lametti said he would change that. He would bring that. Marco Mendicino said that they would do this. And I guess the bill got to second reading and then everyone went on summer break. But, you know, he did say that he'll bring something in. But given the constitutional uh, constraints, you know, he really can't do much more than they're doing now. Uh, and so I, I think a lot of people would be troubled uh, by that, that there's not a lot of will, certainly by this government, uh, to, to get tougher. But can we get tougher given charter, um, you know, that protects a lot of, of people? Yes, we can. In fact, that is a, that, that's nothing but another excuse from Justin Trudeau. He passed a law that created the catch and release system. It did not predate him, and it was not imposed by a judge. No judge required that we have catch and release bail. That was a right, but but how would you put the toothpaste back in the tube now that it's out? Because you know, judges uh, once upon a time they have discretion. So how would you then? Because there'd be a, you know there'll be a lot of pushback. Absolutely, lawyers will push back against this. Um, and so how could you put that back in when there's already a model uh, that shows? Well, this is what we've been doing, and, and you want to go back. So you'd be challenged on that. That's that's life. Life is full of challenges. Easy street leads to a dead end, and, and in fact, it leads to a dangerous place, as we see right now. Governments change laws all the time. My government will introduce a law that brings jail and not bail, jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders. Prolific mega criminals will be presumed to have automatic jail when they are newly arrested for a serious crime. That will be in the, the criminal justice reform that I pass. I will change the law. And then the judges will follow the law. That's what happened before Justin Trudeau. We did not have catch and release bail Mm -hmm. before Justin Trudeau. We had jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders. This is a new problem that Justin Trudeau and Justin Trudeau alone introduced. It was not imposed on him by a judge or a lawyer. It was passed in his law, C-71. 
I would repeal that law, that, that law and bring in jail and not bail for repeat violent offenders. Just quickly, um, Carolyn Bennett uh, is, is uh, you know, convinced that that safe supply works. Um, she's got evidence. But I look at these neighborhoods, you know, you hear the story of, of two little girls who don't have a mother anymore and, and what these communities have been going through trying to get change. And what became very clear to me is that you've got a lot of finger pointing because no oversight and no accountability from any level of government. Um, if this is federal jurisdiction, where's the oversight? And we're about to decriminalize, uh, you know, the same route that uh, the B.C. government just did and, and decriminalize heroin and meth. And it will result in the same nightmare that we see in British Columbia here in BC, since Trudeau took office, uh, drug overdose deaths are up well over 300 uh, percent, and the legalization of hard drugs has made it even worse. Uh, and now the government is giving out tax-funded opioids that are as powerful as heroin, without tracking where they end up. So they're being resold to to minors, to kids, who then get hooked on them, and uh, the addicts use the revenue to buy harder drugs like fentanyl, the solution is to stop giving out drugs, stop decriminalization. Instead, let's invest in recovery and treatment. Let's get these uh, people into facilities where they have counseling, detox, exercise programs, sweat lodges for First Nations, uh, and job planning. And then when they come out, give them an apartment right next to the facility so that they can have continuing support as they phase out back into the uh, their lives uh, in the in the world, and that's this is the model that works. We know it works. Now we need to put the money into that model. That's what I'm going to do to bring our loved ones home, drug free. Just quickly, I know I'm over my time, but um, there's going to be a meeting uh, at the municipal, provincial, as well as federal level today, I guess, to deal with another crisis that has been left to fester. Now we've got, you know, refugees living on the streets of Toronto because there's no shelter space. There's no shelter space available for the homeless that were already there. Um, and we don't have money. We don't have any money to pay for this because this is federal jurisdiction that's been dumped on the municipalities. It's not just Toronto. It's Durham. It's Peel. All these jurisdictions who have had to shoulder this. Um, you know, where do you, where would you, if you were in charge, because everyone always say, well, what would he do? What would you do if you were in charge? Well, we would welcome in refugees at a pace that we can absorb only when they have housing and a roof over their heads. What? What Trudeau is doing now is cruel. He's bringing people in without a place to go. And so his government is telling them to just go live on the streets. Um, this is not Canada. In Canada, we welcome refugees with private sponsorship by churches, mosques, synagogues, and other not-for-profits who raise the money, find the newcomer an apartment, uh, help them with resume writing, language training, getting their kids into schools. That's the orderly, compassionate immigration system that we had eight years ago, uh, but with Trudeau's total incompetence, now uh, he he simply says, "Come in, live on the streets, and um, good luck with it, with everything." And he leaves the problem for everyone else. Uh, this is uh, another example of everything that's broken after eight years of Justin Trudeau. The good news is Canada wasn't like this before Trudeau, and it won't be like this after he's gone. We're going to restore common sense to our immigration to our economy, to our housing sector, and bring home the Canada that you and I always knew and loved. 
Not as simple as it seems. It seems like a long way off. But nonetheless, I do appreciate you coming on. We'll keep talking about it. So we'll uh, chat again. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. That's Pierre Polyevra, leader of the Conservative Party. Um, you know, he's in opposition. He's not laid out all his planks of his platform. He's not going to until we know when there's an election. It would be stupid to do that. But he is calling for changes, obviously going in a much different direction.